Hello, everyone. I am very excited that you have joined me here again at the Teacher's Tribe podcast. I am your host, Maxine McFarlane. Teaching. You really have to love it to do it, especially for as long as I have. Many teachers do not remain in the profession for a variety of reasons. Teaching is challenging, and I have been reflecting on why I stayed for so many years. Am I a glutton for punishment? Or is there some other source of motivation? If you are a teacher, why don't you ponder this matter with me today? Parents and caregivers, have you ever thought about what life is like for teachers? Thanks to the global pandemic and the drastic shifts that we had to make to the structure of our education systems around the world, I'm quite sure you have. This week, the focus is on how we feel about teaching. Please stay tuned. In the previous episode, I spoke about my mission as an educator, and that is to facilitate what I call the joy of learning for my students. This was not something that was deliberately taught to me in school but I realized that it was important to include in my practice. When I went to teacher training college in Jamaica in the early 90s, I felt like I was being prepared to make a difference in the world. In year one, we had to do a week or two of observations in public school classrooms. In year two, we had a short stint of teaching practice, followed by a more extensive period in our third and final year. Teaching practice that we affectionately called TP, and I say affectionately because it became a persona, you know, like a character in the story of becoming a teacher. So teaching practice was often seen as the benchmark to prove or to determine if you should really become a teacher. This experience gave me a glimpse into what teacher life was going to be. I spent many nights sharing my bed with books after staying up late to complete coursework, just moving them off to the side to get under the covers for a few hours of sleep before going to class. My friends and family members knew that their trash was valuable and they would save empty containers, bottle tops and icicle sticks for me to use on one project or another. I had to make items for many displays, whether it was for art or music or I had to create kits with improvised instruments for music and other resources. I had to learn how to write on a chalkboard and develop the skill of chart making. Professional attire was required for our teaching practice experience. In our teacher training colleges, we wear uniforms. So we wore uniforms to class every day. And when it was time for teaching practice, we would add a jacket that matched our skirts along with stockings and heels for a more professional look. Those months of teaching practice were not easy. After surviving the grueling months of TP, we culminated this milestone with a quote-unquote funeral. Now this may seem kind of morbid for those of you outside of the culture, so let me briefly explain what that was. So the mock funeral was for the late Theophilus Preston, yes, we gave him a name. 
Theophilus Preston, TP, also known as Teaching Practice. Get it? So it was a gathering for our class to celebrate and take a moment to enjoy the relief from that stressful period. We got all dressed up in, you know, formal wear that we would wear to a funeral. A casket was constructed, usually out of cardboard and construction paper. And in that casket, we would lay all of our burdens, so to speak. A final will and testament was also prepared and was read during the funeral service and that provided a whole lot of comic relief. In it, we left, in our will that is, we left the sleepless nights, lesson plan books and making instructional resources. We left those items for the second year group that would be facing what we just endured the following year. Amidst the challenges, I still hold fond memories of that time. The journey was still not over after teaching practice though, because we still had to complete our research projects and other assignments in order to complete our course of study and be conferred with a diploma in teaching. And I must mention too that our research project was something that we carried out during those months of teaching practice. So we would, you know, come up with a research question, carry it out. Um, gather data and then after teaching practice we had to put all that together with our findings and reflections and all of that. Looking back on those years I feel that our work should have earned us at least a first degree. Even my grad school work was not as demanding in my opinion. I'm grateful for the training I received at Teachers College because it certainly prepared me to be resilient. Now let's fast forward to 1995 when I had my very first class. As I mentioned in the previous episode, there were 49 students in my grade one class that year. That was also the year I completely lost my voice. I learned from that experience that I should not try to speak above six-year-olds. I mean, they're talking at a few decibels higher than I am and with so many voices in that small classroom, it's understandable why I lost my voice. I also learned that application of what I was taught in college was not quite like what was in the textbooks. It was difficult, I must admit. However, by the end of that year, something ignited in my heart that confirmed for me that my desire to work with primary level students was definitely an avenue through which I could make a difference in this world. I had discovered what I call the joy of teaching. Allow me to explain why this first year was so significant and it was a contributing factor to this feeling. Hopefully by providing the background information you will better understand why the experiences of my first year were so meaningful. My school had five grade one classes that year due to higher enrollment. The classes were organized through a process called streaming in which students were grouped homogeneously by ability. As the newbie on the team that year, I did not have the privilege of choice. So I was assigned to the group that was placed in the fifth stream. So you know, that was the group with the students who had the greatest need and were struggling the most. In hindsight, as a teacher with years of experience now, 
I believe that in situations like the one I described, it should have been maybe the strongest and possibly the teacher with the most experience who should work with those students. Anyway, that is water under the bridge and I gained so much from that experience. Seeing the significant growth that my students experienced was very rewarding. By the time I got to the end of that first school year, it, even though it was so challenging and I had to work hard to get those students to grow, it was so fulfilling. Many of them couldn't read or write their names at the beginning of the year, but they were able to be promoted to a higher stream in grade two. So they were, would no longer be in the fifth stream, but maybe they would have moved up to the third. I think I even have had a few who went up to the first and second stream. I'm still amazed by how much those students and I were able to accomplish with our 49 to 1 ratio. I'm not quite sure if the incident that I'm about to relate happened in my first year or maybe it was my second year. Regardless, it was very early in my teaching career. With my exuberance as a new teacher, I tried to fully engage in activities with my students and do things that were not usually done. I really wanted to implement some of these strategies that I'd learned during my teacher training years. Remember, I had the students who were sometimes classified as slow learners and some had learning challenges. Our school had one overhead projector that was kept in the office. I remember it so well. And I know it may sound strange now in these times when there are so many other gadgets and technological resources available in schools, especially in first world countries. But our school only had one in the office and the only time I can recall it being used was occasionally during professional development sessions. In college, we had to learn how to use available devices in our classrooms and the overhead projector was one of them that we were taught to use. Well, I decided that I would apply what I learned in college and bring some excitement and create new experiences for my students. Can you imagine an overhead projector to bring excitement? But those were the times. Data and graphing was one of the areas that I had to teach in mathematics, and I really wanted to make it meaningful for my students. I divided up my class into eight groups and assigned each group to a section or grade level of my school. Their assignment was to interview each teacher on that grade level or in that section of the school, and they were to find out how many years the teachers had been teaching at our school. I must note um, that teacher retention was very high at the school, and most teachers would stay there until retirement. The only other thing that maybe would um, result in teachers leaving would be things like migration or unfortunately their passing. So my students with notebooks and pencils in hand, they were sent to kindergarten grades one through six because our primary school went all the way up to grade six. And we also had a special education unit. We collated the data, made observations and even and then um, each group created graphs to represent the data they had collected. I also created graphs in Excel on my computer and printed them, copied them onto transparencies. The grand finale 
came and I borrowed the extremely heavy overhead projector and lugged it all the way down to my classroom. My classroom was on the opposite end of the campus from the office. On my way down to my classroom, I remember it clearly that afternoon, there were a group of teachers sitting together in a meeting and one of my colleagues asked what I was up to, you know, seeing me carrying the projector. Another teacher who is a lot more, who was a lot more experienced than me, remarked kind of sarcastically, don't you know that she has a little university down there? I was momentarily disheartened because my goal was really to just add something special for my students. And now her remark made me feel like I was doing too much. This was early in my career too. You know, you're kind of unsure of yourself. And that remark just didn't help me to feel good about what I was doing. However, I am so grateful for youthful exuberance and the encouragement that I got from others because I was not deterred. My students and I closed the windows and door and this simple act of bringing that old overhead projector into the classroom was a moment of excitement. It was a time of facilitating the joy of learning and that was way more important than what my colleague thought. I sometimes feel that those experiences were significantly more rewarding because those students had a hunger for knowledge and they didn't take their educational opportunities for granted. They knew that their parents had to sacrifice a lot just to have them in school. Their parents had spent money to buy their school uniforms, their books, their bags, other school supplies, and to provide them with fares to um, travel to and from school every day and lunch money, all the things that go into providing for a child in school. Even with a smaller class size currently in my teaching assignment and I have more resources and I now work in environments that are a lot more conducive to learning and I have more experience, I must admit that the challenging years had a greater impact. Like me, do you find joy in teaching? Everyone knows that teaching is not a profession for the faint of heart or someone hoping to earn significant remuneration. Therefore, I think a logical question to pose is, why would you choose teaching as a profession and remain in it for an extended period of time? For me, the answer is simple. I have found the joy in it. And that is what I want to explore and hopefully help you to find for yourself. I recently read a publication posted on the National Education Association website, which highlighted the startling statistics related to teacher turnover among new teachers. And I'll share a quote from that publication. It says, some 20% of all new hires leave the classroom within three years. In urban districts, the numbers are worse. Close to 50% of newcomers leave the profession during their first five years of teaching. Now, while it is unfortunate that the turnover rate is so high, I respect the choices that those teachers make. I'm sure there are a variety of reasons for their departure. Among them could be the realiza realization 
that it's not fulfilling for them or they simply cannot cope with the demands. Teacher burnout is real. I agree with Margaret E. Sangster who said, no one should teach who is not in love with teaching. I clearly remember resolving during my first year of teaching that I would quit and apply for a job at a bank if or when I shared the sentiments that I heard one of my colleagues express. She said, men of business, if them want to learn, them learn. Let me translate that for you. What she really was saying is, I don't care. It's up to the students if they want to learn. Teaching in a Jamaican primary school classroom is by no means glamorous, and the conditions are not always ideal. My reference to working in a bank was simply a way to contrast the physical environment of a hot classroom in the tropics with an air-conditioned banking institution. I decided that I would do it wholeheartedly, that is, I would teach wholeheartedly, or I would not do it at all. If I lost my passion, I would leave. I have already established that my main reason for remaining in the profession is because I have found the joy of teaching. Similar to the joy of learning for my students that I described in the previous episode, I have used that energy from my students' experiences, as well as the thrill of making a difference, to create somewhat of a replica for myself. There's something almost magical to behold when a student grasps a concept, acquire a skill, or solve a problem with your support. This idea makes me think of that scene in the movie Aquila and the Bee, when Lawrence Fishburne's character gave Kiki Palmer's character a jump rope to help her keep a steady rhythm and maintain focus while she practiced to spell words. He helped her to recognize and develop her mnemonic device. Being immersed in instructional experiences with students and utilizing creativity, knowledge from my own education and training, and differentiating to meet the needs of individual learners, which culminates in their mastery of what is taught and also in academic growth. That is priceless. I'm even more excited when I'm able to provide social-emotional support and see the behavioral transformations that occur. It is my practice to help my students recognize the greatness that they bring to the world and to the space that we share. In episode five, Tips for Making Morning Meeting Meaningful, I mentioned how I use greatness notes with my students. They become meaningful to the students because throughout the year, they get filled up with positive recognitions from me and also from their peers. The beautiful thing about such interactions is that over time, the students come to recognize their own greatness and they change internally. The effectiveness of this aspect of my role as an educator is credited to the nurtured heart approach, which was created by Howard Glaster. I will talk about that some more in a future episode. You can find more information about this on the Children's Success Foundation website. I also have a post on my blog that focuses on this matter of greatness. I will provide links in the show notes for these things that I just mentioned.
Another way in which I have tapped into the joy of teaching is by simply recognizing that I am making a difference in the lives of the little people entrusted to me. I can't think of anything more rewarding. Here's another appropriate quote, and this one is from is by Brad Henry, who said, A good teacher can inspire hope, ignite the imagination, and instill a love of learning. As I give this gift to my students, I also receive a gift in return, and that is the joy of teaching. Whether you're a trained teacher getting ready to provide instruction and so much more in this upcoming school year, or you're a parent or caregiver helping your child at home, focus on the difference you're making and find the joy in that. In last week's podcast episode, I was reminiscing on the years when I would engage my sons in summer school, and I'm so glad that I did that. Those years have flown by and they are now in high school and college, but I can still hold those joyful memories in my heart. I think most parents can relate to the idea that our children tend to hold fast to what we say up to their preschool years. They'll say, that's not what my daddy said or that's not what my mother said. They will quickly rebut to explain what their parents said Because if their parents said it, that's how it is in their eyes. When they are of school age, however, what their teacher says is the gospel. I have had many parents tell me about conflicts at home when they try to explain how to complete a homework assignment in a different manner than was taught at school. That's not what my teacher said, is a common retort. Being a teacher myself did not exempt me from that experience. I had similar battles with my sons, even when I reminded them that I am also a teacher and I have taught what they are learning. That did not matter. It did not make a difference because what their teacher said was what was important. I urge every teacher to use this power for good. This is life-changing work. And while we engage in it, our students will benefit so much more if we also allow them to see how much we care. At the beginning of the school year and many times throughout, I like to listen to Dr. Rita Pearson's TED Talk entitled, Every Kid Needs a Champion. I will link it in the show notes for your inspiration. She does a wonderful job highlighting the value of the work that we do and how important it is for our students. Things are shaping up to be challenging in new ways for the 2020-2021 school year. I would strongly suggest that this needs to be the year when we find and focus on the joy of teaching as we facilitate the joy of learning for our children and students. Until the next episode, walk good and one love.